Sesame Street. So that's where we are, Sesame Street. But why did you bring me here? Oh, you and your secret missions. Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of Force Time. My name is Travis, and today I have a very special guest with me, Brandon Winerdy from Talking Bay 94. Brandon, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, and also, props to you. I think you were the first person ever to just, like, say my last name correctly without asking uh, before the show. So, I'm, I was you said it, I was like, wow, that's uh, pretty incredible. So <laughs> I, I have definitely been doing my research. I've been listening to a lot of your episodes lately, and I yes, uh, I, I take pride in that. I wanted to get it right. <laughs> yes, that's welcome good, to the man. show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. I'm, I'm so excited you're here. Uh, Brandon is here for the second episode in our series, Star Wars and Pop Culture, where we are covering different TV shows, movies, and other forms of media that parody and reference the galaxy far, far away. For the first episode, I welcomed Tori Fox to cover Saturday Night Live, and I am so excited for today's topic, Sesame Street. But first, Talking Bay 94 is the only podcast devoted to one-on-one interviews with cast and crew and creators of Star Wars, and one of my favorite all-time podcasts. Brandon has had over 100 episodes with some of the most interesting behind-the-scenes stories that you'll hear, and you just don't get that anywhere else, and I am just, I'm so excited to have you. I've, I've been a big fan of your show for a while, so so wel- welcome to the show. That means a lot. Thank you. Uh, that's so nice of you to say. But uh, yeah, talk about 94. Uh, what a what a thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So so let's start. What I, what I like to do with my guests, uh, my first time guests, is to really to hear their Star Wars story. So just just want to ask you, what's your Star Wars story? Uh, when did your fandom begin? How, how has it evolved? Yeah, I, I, I always say I'm very lucky because I feel like I was born in like the perfect kind of sweet spot for Star Wars, which was I was able to see the special editions on the big screen and then kind of go right into prequels and sequels and just like the entire breadth of Star Wars has always been really accessible. So yeah, I was five, six when the special editions came out, which was, you know, the perfect age to see <laughs> to see Star Wars and have it ruin your life a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, ever since I've been just hooked, uh, the prequels, obviously I love, especially just the whole marketing behind it and just how it was omnipresent. I feel like throughout my entire childhood and, and then really, you know, I feel like anyone having a Star Wars podcast was the Star Wars kid, right? It was, was the person. Uh, and so it's like, uh, that kind of carried with me through my entire life and, uh, and here we are. So yeah, Star Wars has kind of always been there, which is very comforting. Absolutely. And that your prequel merchandising and marketing, but it's, oh my, I, I feel like I talked a lot of my guests that I have come on, like we're, we're of that same generation of kind of prequel kids and everything. And that is one like constant that everyone talks about. And I just, I love the Taco Bell and the KFC and just like everything that went along with that. So yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> uh, what is the history behind Talking Bay 94. So you just had your 100th episode recently. And yeah, just kind of walk us through how it started, uh, how even maybe that's evolved a little bit. Yeah, uh, Talking Bay 94, it was right when Last Jedi came out. And so I was like super hyped up on Star Wars all over again. And I was just kind of like research. I was like, I wonder if there are Star Wars podcasts because I grew up uh, during a time when there was like the Force cast and even um, like Star Wars Action News, like there were a few I remember from when I was really young. 
And I was like, I wonder if there are still Star Wars podcasts. And of course, as we are both very aware, there are um, thousands of Star Wars podcasts. I think back then there might have been uh, low thousands, and now there are tens of thousands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I did a little bit of research, listened to a few, and then I found this article on AV Club about – it was like, this Star Wars podcast only – deals with the weirdest, most minutiae details of Star Wars. And it was Blast Points. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I ended up listening to like 40 episodes of Blast Points within like the winter break right after uh, Last Jedi. And I was, I was like, oh, this is a way, like you were saying earlier about prequel merchandise. Like that's a way that I connect with Star Wars much more than, you know, I love canon and I love reading. But it's like that was kind of what really drew me to everything. And so I texted my buddy. And I was like, I want to do a Star Wars podcast. And so uh, we he just helped me. He's been my producer ever since. And I had a few connections uh, from growing up, going to conventions of just like managers and a couple like random actors. And I kind of just started building a, a backlog of people I could maybe reach out to. And then just went for it and interviewed probably five or six people, got the show ready in time for Solo. And then just kind of have been going ever since. Taking a few breaks because it is <laughs> dependent on if I can book someone week to week. But um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, as you said, it's been a uh, hundred episodes, a little bit more than that. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy to think about that. That was almost three years ago. So yeah, that is wild. And you've ha- you've had some just some guests on your show that I just never even heard of. But their stories are like top tier. They're just so good. And so, yeah, I really appreciate the work you do and getting those stories out of people. And just listen to your episode with Lauren Mary Kim. And that was that was a good mm-hmm. time, too. And yeah, so yeah, just just very excited you're here. So should we go ahead and get into Sesame Street? Should we, should we go ahead and do it? I'm ready. I'm ready, man. He just said he's on one of his tiresome secret missions. He has an important message to deliver to someone here on Sesame Street. Okay, so Sesame Street has been around for so long. For me, I grew up with Sesame Street. I loved it. I It was what my mom would just have on whenever. I was a huge Big Bird fan. Did you watch Sesame Street when you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. Definitely Sesame Street. And then I had uh, younger brothers as well. So we, I mean, we watched for years and even like, I remember Elmo's World. It was just like kind of part of it. And same with the Muppet Show, it was just always kind of part of of growing up and we were also, I don't know, were you a, a Barney kid as well? Are you of the Barney generation? We were a big just Barney barely. family. I, yeah, I just barely. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's very, Barney and Sesame Street in my mind have always been connected. And if this was a different podcast, I'll talk to you about my, my uh, Barney story, but that we'll do that for the Barney Star Wars uh, pop culture hour next time around. I, I am sure that there was some Star Wars references. There's Star Wars references sure. in everything. I, I bet Barney, uh, Barney for sure had something. Um, did you have a favorite character on Sesame Street? I think I always loved Big Bird and I always loved Grover. Because I think Grover reminded me the most of the actual Muppets as well. He was always kind of the most Muppety so yeah, I think Big Bird and, and Grover kind of hand in hand. Definitely. Big Bird was definitely my dude. And bring up the Muppets. So when we started looking at this episode, we, we talked about a couple different topics and um, Sesame Street and the Muppets are super related. And Blast Points just put out an episode a couple weeks ago and it was so good on the Muppets. And when we were talking, we we're like, okay, let's, should we do Sesame Street then? We're like, yeah. Let's do Sesame Street, and I'm, yeah. I'm so I'm so glad we did because uh, there there's some really there's some gold in here. Before we get into the actual episodes and actual appearances, uh, let's talk a little bit about behind the scenes. So first off, we have the biggest connection between Star Wars, the Muppets, and Sesame Street, which is Frank Oz, who is maybe the most 
famous puppeteer, maybe behind Jim Henson, but he has played such a major role in both Sesame Street and Star Wars. So obviously with Star Wars, he's the one who brought Yoda to life. And on Sesame Street, he originated Burt, Grover, and Cookie Monster. And he got the role of Yoda after George Lucas contacted Jim Henson, kind of asking maybe if he could do it. And Jim Henson was a little baby, so he referred Frank Oz. But I just, I love that connection. And I love that really Frank Oz brought the two together and kind of merged them where we could have like all of this crazy, weird Muppet Sesame Street stuff. Yeah, it's really great. And even just the George Lucas, Jim Henson connection, especially in the late 80s, is so fascinating because they're both of the same kind of mentality, right? They're, they're both a very like unique creative voice. And that the fact that they got to work together and collaborate and do things like Labyrinth and, and have so much overlap with Dark Crystal and with Yoda and everything like that, it's it really is both... I guess it's bittersweet, right? Where we had all this output, but then like if Jim Henson had lived to now, like what, what else would they have been able to collaborate on? Like yeah. what would Jim Henson's involvement with the prequels have been? You know, like there's all these opportunities because then you have now like Neil Scanlon came from the Jim Henson creature shop, right? And he kind of, you know, created what the sequel trilogy looks like. And so it's the influences are still being felt, I think, of Henson's legacy. And it's really interesting to kind of reflect on that. And Sesame Street's a good opportunity to do so. No, for sure. And and Sesame Street definitely did that. And we have there's there's two episodes from the 1980s that were Star Wars focused episodes. And another behind the scenes thing. So so in these episodes we have C3PO and we have R2D2 or like the main characters. Anthony Daniels portrayed C3PO just like he did in A New Hope. And this this came out right before The Empire Strikes Back and Anthony Daniels in Sesame Street, he goes for it, man. He is like, <laughs> he is like full on C3PO through and through, like giving it a thousand percent. I just love that. Yeah. It, it's funny because they did this at the same time as like we talked about earlier, the Muppet Show appearance. Um, probably, I think it was right after. Uh, and so he is kind of ingrained into the world of the Muppets even more so than Mark Hamill was because then he got the Sesame Street experience, which was apparently a week of filming for both of these episodes that they kind of uh, strung out. And it's really interesting because I, I have his autobiography, which is a really great read and also a really uh, great listen because uh, he yeah. narrates the audiobook, which is great. But he mentions because he was able to kind of see the collaboration of how intrinsic like the performers were to the characters. And obviously he had only done C-3PO twice uh, at that point. And so, like, he mentions in his book, especially about his Sesame Street experience, that he got to interact a lot with Carol Spinney, who was Big Bird, and kind of see how, how Carol Spinney, like, reacted inside of the costume, you know, and how yeah. he brought a character to life for so long. Uh, and I think that's a really cool kind of connection that then Anthony Daniels was able to take even further and be a character for, you know, 40 years at this point. Yeah, it's really just amazing watching the two of them work like side by side for these episodes because Big Bird is so distinct in how yeah. Big Bird moves and C3PO is just I mean C3PO there's nothing like C3PO and I just love that how it's evolved from C3PO being this entire robot moving around and then and even in Star Wars we had Darth Vader doing mask acting and then we had you know Boba Fett up to the Mandalorian now where it's it's in just such a big art form and they were doing it this in the late 70s in the 80s I mean just creating this art form on their own and it, it's just it's it's awesome watching them work together oh I do beg your pardon I am C-3PO and this is my counterpart R2-D2 the other main character is R2-D2 and R2-D2 
was controlled by someone who you have talked about. So I'm going to let you take this away. Okay. Yeah. So, because normally, like, as we all know, like Kenny Baker would be R2-D2 when R2-D2 was stationary. Uh, but then they they did create remote control R2-D2s uh, and then kind of perfected that process a little bit. And one of the people I've talked to was Craig Miller, who was the head of the original fan club, which is cool. And so I have I, I did a little research before this episode uh, from Craig Miller's autobiography, uh, Star Wars Memories, which I recommend picking up. It's really interesting and because there's much of like really, again, the minutia of just like the early days of Star Wars. And he says that he was actually the one in the spring of 1979 to first get in touch with the folks at Children's Television Workshop, the organization behind the television show Sesame Street. They only had occasionally had guest stars up to that point, uh, but he thought it had been a good idea to get the droids to visit Sesame Street, and everyone at Lucasfilm liked that idea. So he became producer and kind of like was there at the beginning for the scripts, and apparently he didn't make any changes except... We'll talk about the ABCs, but he was concerned that R2-D2 cannot, like, speak and do the ABCs. And that was, like, his only change, which was funny. But then he's on set to control R2-D2 because no one else really could. But then what he couldn't do, like, I liked that we talked about Anthony Daniels already. Because uh, Anthony Daniels, of course, is a British citizen, right? And had to come over for that week of shooting Sesame Street. But they wouldn't issue him a visa. Because since he was uh, a masked character they made the argument that anyone could be the masked character so craig miller had to go and be like no like sorry like this dude has to be yeah (laughs) like there's no other guy and so there's a really funny quote let me see if i can pull it up they said it's going to take six weeks even if we do it and he's like well it's happening next week so like we have to do it next week like well it's impossible and he was like i spent some time thinking about how to go around this and he was like, this is a bureau of the federal government that issued these visas. So who who did we know with clout? Who loved Star Wars? So he started thinking at the top. And he said Jimmy Carter was president. And he didn't know how he felt about Star Wars. But he knew that his daughter loved the movie. So he was like, okay, I can't get Jimmy Carter. So instead, he got Alan Cranston, the senior U.S. senator from California, and a very powerful backroom dealer, one of the most influential members of Congress. So he called his office and got Senator Cranston to issue an emergency visa for Anthony Daniels to come to the shoot. And I thought that was the the funniest thing I've ever read. (laughs) That's what it took. Um, But anyway, so Craig Miller, yeah, hell of a guy. (laughs) Wow, worth it. I mean, totally worth it. That's how important it was. That's how protected you got to be. That's that's so funny. They're very protect. I know you know franchises are are so protective, especially you know in today's age uh, over their characters and how they're portrayed in certain things. And even like Frank Oz, you know, like he doesn't do the Yoda voice outside of when he is Yoda. And I just love that so much that he went to those lengths because there was it. You were not going to tell him, and you weren't going to tell probably Anthony Daniels either. Like, no, someone else can do. It. It's like no, like that. Did you see Star Wars? Did you watch it? You know. <laughs> It is funny to think about because really, even now, I don't think there's ever really been a a situation that I can think of in a major, whether video game or animated series or anything, that Anthony Daniels has not voiced or portrayed C-3PO. Like like you said, Frank Oz, we had Tom Kane in Clone Wars do Yoda, right? We've had actors kind of create their own spin on the character, but I mean... Anthony Daniels keeps saying he's going to retire. I don't think he'll ever retire. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he, he is kind of like the stalwart actor of, you know, all three trilogies and, and now kind of everything else that's come after it. So very interesting. 
he is. Man, Anthony Daniels is so good. And yeah, he is, <laughs> he's, a, he's a character, man. He's a he, character. He really is. I, I have to check out that book, too. And I, I do want to do the audiobook version because I have just heard awesome things about that. Yeah, it's really uh, – and I have, you know, my Anthony Daniels – what's the word? Do I like his social media presence? No. Am I graded by it? Yes. Do I, is it funny that he has his own booth at celebrations now because he doesn't like the autograph area? And so he makes you slide a hundred dollars in yeah. cash across his table to get his autograph. Uh, yes, I think it's very funny. <laughs> like, it's just so, uh, it's like only in Star Wars fandom could like a personality like Anthony Daniels like yeah. come out. You know, it's very funny. Uh, I love that. That's enough about Anthony. <laughs> No, his his social media presence is so funny, and I have a I have a I don't know if this is a good story, but I'm gonna tell it anyways. Tell so it. a couple a couple years ago, when he was promoting, it was before he announced that he was doing his book, and he put it out there, and he was being super weird, you know, on social media, like trying to, and he'd do it in his little C three O C three PO like uh, tone, you know, and he'd be like, I'm getting a transmission dot, dot, dot. What could it be? Something, something, something. And, and, you know, the internet blew up and I had just listened to blast points episode about the, oh, I might have to look this up real quick. The, the wonder, the, Oh, super, uh, the wonder column. Yes. Just wonder, yeah. Yeah. Anthony. Yes. Anthony Daniels wonder column. And yeah. It was the funniest. That's what hooked me into Blast Points, actually, that episode. And so <laughs> I, I tweeted and I was like, oh, my God, it's a follow up to the magnificent wonder column, a C-3PO, whatever. And he tweeted again. He wasn't quote tweeting. He wasn't replying to anyone, but he tweeted again and he said, I'm getting a transmission from and then he put T R A with like a bunch of ellipses <laughs> in between. And I was like, oh, my God, it's me. <laughs> like I was like, it's the follow-up for the Wonder Column. And then like two weeks later, he put out that he was putting out his biography. Yeah. But I was like, I'm pretty sure that he saw my tweet about that. That's great. I love it. Because it's like, I remember because I was right during the, the height of, I think it was Rise of Skywalker. And everyone was like, this has to be about a trailer. This has to be about something. Yeah. It's, like, no, about his, it's about his book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's great. So yes, definitely buy his book. Listen to it. I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. Slide him $100 at a celebration. You know, support Anthony Daniels any way you can, I guess, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Some people will know I am Anthony Daniels and other people will know me purely as c 3 human cyborg relations and i've been signing autographs for people who've been trying to find me for years okay so there are two major appearances like i said of r2d2 and c3po both in in early 1980 and this is when the empire strikes back was just full marketing mode there was all sorts of stuff surrounding it star wars was the biggest hit in the world three years earlier so they bring them on on january 31st 1980 and the first episode is C-3PO and R2-D2 arriving on Sesame Street to deliver a message to Oscar the Grouch. So they land on Sesame Street. They're in a weird spaceship type thing that the graphics are amazing for 1980. <laughs> and they land there. Everyone thinks Big Bird is is lying about seeing these two robots. It turns out R2D2 is like keeping a big secret from C3PO. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to tell him what his secret mission is, right? And he takes a transmission to Oscar the Grouch, and it's from Lothar the Grouch from the seventh moon of Zircon. <laughs> <laughs> and they get the message to him in the end, and then they play with Big Bird, and it's, 
incredible. There's six scenes. They're all, you know, how Sesame is, it's an hour long and they do just little short bursts to keep, you know, kids' attention and everything. So it's six small scenes scattered throughout. But what stood out to you? I mean, Lothar the Grouch as a hologram, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Man, like what you said, so they land in this, it looks like a UFO. It's like a little gleaming thing of light and i'm very surprised it has not been retconned somewhere as like because the muppet show has been a little bit i think the planet maybe that they're from or that they go to has been kind of retconned into something has been mentioned at some point but this has never been mentioned whatever ship c3 and r2d2 have been hanging out in that looks just like a, a flat plate um has not and then just like what you said like it it feels almost so natural for these two characters to be in this world, and it, it kind of goes to just this idea of how how universal Star Wars is, and how like even though they are out of place in the plot of the show, they don't feel out of place among kind of the creatures and the the characters, and, and it's really cool just to see them. And it was just like again such a joy to to watch. It is, and yeah, this is the first time people see C three PO and R two D two. You know, one of the first times, at least after. Star Wars came out in 1977 and they come in and they are there's the they are themselves they are yeah. there's banter there's C3PO calling R2 a, a, a malfunctioning little twerp uh, <laughs> and they get there and you can you can definitely tell it was before the rest of the movies come out because they get there and things get kind of weird right away so first C3PO doesn't recognize what a tree is and <laughs> because why would he he never saw a tree right. in New Hope right <laughs> and then he says he's a little rusty and so he needs oil and that R2D2 could use some brake fluid and so right. the townspeople get a, get them these supplies oil them up I know, and put a little, because th- they do it very funnily for especially R2-D2, because they're like, where do we put it? And he's like, oh, just like, you know, you can just put it in R2-D2. And I'm like, okay. And they just like put a, f- like a literal plastic funnel behind R2-D2. You don't see where they're plugging it in. And then they have a little like gurgling noise. And then uh, R2-D2 makes a little beep. And then C-3PO is like, that's gross. I can't take you anywhere or something to the effect of that. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Anthony Daniels? But uh, anyway, that was the Sesame Street, I guess. Yeah, R2-D2 definitely gives his little smirking response that you wish he had a subtitle for because you know it's it's cursing or it's uh, something, just a, a dirty joke, something that from the R2-D2 that he says. And, and yeah, C-3PO just, just can't take him anywhere. So then they, they deliver the message to Oscar the Grouch. It's from Lothar the Grouch. Like I said, I mean, come on, Lothar the Grouch. It's <laughs> the coolest thing. And Lothar, you know, and the seventh moon of, of Sir Cone, like I'm, I'm surprised those haven't made their way into right. Star Wars either. But they get it there. And all the message is, is Lothar the Grouch telling Oscar the Grouch to get lost. And it's such a, yeah, it's such a grouch, you know, Oscar the Grouch thing that they go through all that work. And that's all what, it's for. What does Oscar say? He was like, what do you know? I guess there is intelligent life in space. Like, very funny. Like, very, very funny. And yeah, you get some hologram technology, like, pretty advanced stuff. Pretty advanced stuff. The hologram is really good, too. It looks really good. Yeah. And yeah, they, they, they get there. C-3PO calls him Mr. Groucher, which is so funny. It's like, <laughs> did Anthony Daniels actually forget his name? Or did he just like on purpose call him Mr. Right. Groucher? And then Oscar calls him Shiny Pants. And <sighs> just just solid gold all the way around. So good. So good. Excuse me, Mr. Groucher. We cannot shove it under the lid. You have to see it. Oh, okay, shiny pants. 
Uh, what's on your mind and make it snappy. And then we get to, to one of the next scenes and it's answers the age old question that everyone seems to want to know. Do droids have feelings? Mm-hmm. And so this is when R2D2, C3PO are showing Big Bird that they do have all of these, uh, all these emotions. So they go through happy, they go through sad. And then Big Bird wants them to show him angry and uh-huh. r2d2 will not do it and c3po gets angry <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's such a solid joke i just love how they how they play off each other and yeah it it, it ends with them leaving sesame street with a message now for lothar from oscar the grouch the old snake in a can trick and the whole episode just us uh, just so good yeah it really i mean it's so good and also it because i've never i guess obviously paid attention to Sesame Street as an adult. Um, you, you, you might have just cause you've had kids and, but I've never really revisited it and seeing what they approach and what they focus on, right. What we just talked about, they talked about not only numbers and letters and, you know, colors, but also emotions and how to feel and how to process things. I think it's very interesting. We'll even see that, uh, later on with the most recent Sesame Street skit, uh, that they did, but it's, I, I was like kind of like blown away of like how emotionally uh, mature it was uh, and like what it was actually teaching kids beyond just like ABCs and one, two, threes. So very, very cool. It was, it makes me feel so much better that, you know, that was my go-to <laughs> show when I grew up because right. my mom and, and, and my wife's mom was the same way. Like they were super into it. And, and then when we had our kids, they're like, you need to watch, you, they need to watch Sesame street. And then, yeah, you're right. As an adult, you go back, you're like, Oh, that was kind of, that was kind of good. That was good. <laughs> talk good about, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> talk about your mother. That's why they get paid the big, but that's why they've been right. on the air forever too. Right. No, really cool. Really, really cool. Artu, show him how you get angry. Yes, I know you're not angry now, but please show him how you act when you are angry. What do you mean? You don't want to, you computerized little ingrate. What's happened to your manners? Now be angry. If you don't cooperate, how will he ever know how droids get angry? Gee, Mr. C-3PO, I think we know how they get angry because you're a droid and you're pretty angry right now. I am? I am? Oh, oh. Yes, I suppose I was. Well, there you are. Happy to be of service. Okay, so let's move on to episode 1396. This one aired March 17th. 1980 and this is c3po and r2 go to the park which is kind of funny because they actually don't make it to the park in the end but this one r2 and 3po are back just uh to visit sesame street they're coming to see their old friends again and they go through they sing some songs they talk to linda who is deaf and communicate with her and then and then r2d2 falls in love with a fire hydrant and then it rains at the end, so they don't make it to the park. What stood out to you in this one? <laughs> so, I mean, the I mean, it was all incredible. Right? Again, in, in in different ways, but seeing C three P and R two D two on a bus uh, <laughs> worth the price of admission on its own. But then the scene you mentioned of meeting Linda is I was watching it. I was like, holy crap! Like, yeah. Again, talking about emotional maturity and like showcasing a real depth of like just like caring about all different types of uh, people. It really was incredible. And so the scene itself plays out where Linda is deaf and is trying to communicate and introduce herself to R2 and C3PO. But because of R2 being relatively nonverbal, they're not really able to, like, they have a communication barrier. And what they figure out is that Linda, by touching the top of his dome, can feel the vibrations 
of his beeps and can understand what he's saying. And it's like a beautiful thing. And it ends in kind of silence. Like it really is just like, I was like, whoa, like this is wild, incredible stuff. Uh, really, really, really cool. I was not prepared for that at all. I, you know, when we started looking at this, I was like, oh, this will be like fun, goofy, you know, whatever. Yeah. Watch the Muppets and you know, saw how goofy that was. And then we get to this one, especially I was like, wow, like that is really, that's really powerful. And, and it's like, this was in 1980 and they are, you know, like what a great program for kids, especially. And man, yeah. When she puts her hand on R2D2 and he vibrates and they can communicate with each other. And then Big Bird and C3PO, like they, they just walk off because R2 and Linda are having such a great conversation. They're not even paying attention to them anymore. And yeah, it's just, if you can like, please go watch these shows. They're, they're so good and they're full of goodies. And yeah, the, the lessons that they teach and just, you know, it was, and that was what Sesame street was always good at was that it wasn't out of place. It wasn't forced. It was just that it's showing different people and that's all you want. You know, like that's all it should be is showcasing and and highlighting everybody. And because that's the world, that's the world that we live in. So yeah, Yeah. it really, it really incredible. And then, I mean, again, because I haven't revisited Sesame Street in such a long time, I was very surprised with the number of kids and uh, like a humans that were on set. I guess I never really quantified that in my mind, right? Like, I always just kind of assumed it was all the Muppets and, like, hanging out and colorful characters. But, like, what you're saying, uh, people of all different sizes and shapes and, and races and, like, really, uh, <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, this was made 40 years ago. This is wild. Yeah. Like, really, really, really cool. And, again, C-3PO and R2-D2 just feel perfect in there. And it's really a testament to Star Wars and to, to Sesame Street. It is just, it's so organic how it all works together. And then, so we go from this really, like, really touching scene. <laughs> and and then the very next time we see R2 and 3PO, R2 is now in love. And right. it's weird watching it if you only watch the Star Wars scenes, because you go straight from this scene where he's having this really emo- like powerful right. connection with Linda to the very next scene where he is in love. But he is not in love with Linda. He is in love with a fire hydrant. Yeah, because I was like, oh, it would make sense, like, plot-wise, it would make sense, like, oh, like, he's in love with uh, Linda, like, that's, I guess, makes sense. Nope, like, he's in love with an inanimate object that C-3PO has to kind of gingerly explain, like, no, that's a fire hydrant, which, you know, is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, just a complete, like, 180. And then... C-3PO has the line uh, that he ends the scene and, you know, he always like ends the scene with like a little jab, or, like, a little joke yeah, <laughs> where he just yeah. like kind of, you know, puts his head down and just like, yep. And he says better to have loved a fire hydrant than to have loved, never loved before. And it's just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how do you beat that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. And so they go from there, they're still on their way to the park and then it's, starts raining and r2d2 tries to warn them they don't believe in that it's going to start raining and it starts raining and this is where the famous picture of them with the umbrella comes out that's just such a great picture and again it's it's talking a little bit about like emotional maturity and like understanding what your surroundings are and being patient like I, w- I was just like, oh, yeah. And and what we just experienced, hopefully with the magic of editing, people don't realize like it's raining really hard outside my house. I'm like, wow, what a yeah. what a perfect uh, physicalization of what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, very, very cool. Very, very cool. 
I'm going to do my best to get that hail out of there, but I think <laughs> we'll, we'll see. If anything, we'll chalk it up to, you know, C-3PO, R2-D2 said it was going to rain. It started raining. Yeah, so. and, it, and it was me committing to the subject matter that you you offered. And so that's really what I try to bring as a guest on any podcast. And hopefully the listeners will appreciate that for sure. That's powerful. I mean, I appreciate that. <laughs> he says it's going to thunder. Thunder? Oh, thunder means rain. It's going to rain. Is that it? Is it going to rain? Well, I don't think it'll rain. There are a few clouds, but I don't think it will actually rain. Your scanners have gone haywire. Let's go, Big Bird. Okay. You can stay here if you wish, Artu. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. How dreadful. All right. So we are going to move on to the next sketch and this one is more of a kind of standalone sketch and not part of a bigger episode but this is called star s'mores and it came out on september 12th 2014 so this short it starts off with a long time ago in a cookies and milky way galaxy far far away so immediately we know cookie monster is going to be a major player in this one (laughs) so so we have luke piewalker flan solo and Chewie the Cookie have to right. rescue Princess Parfaya. Yeah. Uh, but before they can, they have to go to Only One Cannoli and Grota to help with Flan's, Flan's self-control so he doesn't eat <laughs> his co-pilot. And just weirdness ensues. It, I mean, because I guess was, I did a little bit of like, I guess, just looking at the Sesame Street YouTube channel. And I guess during this point, and I kind of remember it with the Muppets as well. I don't know if you remember, like, there was like that weird Bohemian Rhapsody Muppets sketch. Like, they were really trying to branch into YouTube of just being like kind of standalone and go, quote unquote, viral. And obviously, this one has 10 million views, so it did okay. Yeah. But they did things like the Hunger Games and things like that as well. And so this... I was just like kind of blown away by like the production value, I guess, of this, especially compared to what we watched from 40 years before. Cause this is like, they're pretty much using like weirdly screen accurate stuff and like have really great throwaway gags in the background. And in terms of Star Wars spoofs, like it's, it might be one of the best. It is very high quality. That's, that's like I was saying earlier, our first uh, episode in this series was about SNL. And we talked about how some of the sets that they build are just incredible, especially like the undercover boss ones that they do for the digital shorts. This one, that's all I went, I had to go back a couple times and just look in the background because it was so detailed and just so fun. They had whisks on the moisture farm. Yeah. <laughs> and snuffle up, snuffle up. Oh my gosh. That was, I was, I like free because it's, it's literally, I'm looking kind of like while we're talking, it's literally in one scene with, with yeah. only one cannoli. Like it's not even in every time he talks. It's literally just like in one time you see it in the very background and that's it. Incredible. Really just like and then um the torture droid is a is a um yeah. a whisker as well. Like really uh really great stuff. So good. The Death Star is like an easy bake oven type thing. <laughs> and the Millennium Falcon is a giant cookie too. And yeah, they they really went all out. Yeah, that stuff off I guess as a as a Bantha, they just you're right, they threw it in there yeah just barely like okay we don't we're not throwing this out on it's just that world building right it's just like yeah. in the background it's just it's just so good so they, they go to rescue princess parfaya and they run into the word the most evil villain ever darth baker <laughs> and 
turns out Darth Baker is Luke Piewalker's father. Of course he is. He helps them. They save the day. It's it's great. And and one thing I didn't tell Groda also. And Groda. Interesting, right? That's very interesting. You know, because it's Grover Yoda, sure, and that makes sense. And like you said earlier, the Frank Oz connection is interesting. And but also they they amended his head, it, like to have the ears and to like be Yoda. Yeah. But did John Favreau watch this sketch and be like, hmm, maybe? Yeah, Gro- <laughs> Groda, Groda, Yoda, and then just one degree off, you get Grogu, and here we are. That yeah. is. It's not that far off, and I would not put it past them at all. But yes, Groda, that uh, it was, it was good, and only one cannoli. It it just the whole thing. It's five minutes. It's on YouTube. Yeah, definitely you go watch, watch it. Yes, it, it's it's for sure worth your time. I do, and then uh, cause cause like what we said, like with with the Yoda Gro- uh, Grover puppet, like kind of custom looking, really cool, and then the Darth Baker puppet, very custom and yeah. really cool, and like even his chest plate has like bacon and eggs and a spoon, yeah, uh, really, like I I was just like, oh my god, like if they were at celebration, right? I would that's this is how I quantify everything in my mind, just for your reference, which is <laughs> yeah. if they were at celebration and they said, Brandon, for a hundred dollars, you can take a photo with. Darth Baker and the Snuffleupagus <laughs> as a Bantha and uh, Groda yeah. uh, on like a you know gray wall. Would you do it? I'd be like, yes, because incredible, really incredible stuff. I would be right there with you. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's so good. I I think that honestly, and now you say celebration, like how great would it be to either have a panel or like a live performance of. So a parody like a Sesame Street or a Muppets like parody. I I would pay so much extra money to get into one of those panels. It'd be great. Oh my gosh, because they've done they've done Muppet conventions, or they might have done where they've had the performers come with with the you know which is incredible. And I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't go to that. You know, I'd see you know them. You know, that'd be incredible. But then taking it a step further, right? Can you imagine like Frank Oz doing a celebration panel? And be yeah. like, I brought the Yoda puppet, right? Let's let's yeah. go, right? Like, it, I, it would be the biggest high of all time. It reminds me of, I think it was during a Rogue One panel during Celebration Europe with Pow, you know, the big mouthed alien from the Rogue One crew, and they yeah. had him come out and kind of like strut around, which is cool. Or they've had the droids come out, which is cool. But I just want to see them all. I just want to see them all up close. I want to see them all working. Uh, yeah. you know, cause now they've gotten it all it, like the droids especially are all, you know, they got BB eight to be a real BB eight, you know? And so it's like, right. let's see this. I want to, I want to just like tactile star Wars, uh, give it to me. You'll get goosebumps when they seek out their wiser and even more wrinkled mentor. Groda. More wrinkled. When 900 years old, you reach look as cute. You will not. There is one other short and, and this is, this is a song. It's a very specific song, and I'm not even sure which episode it was in or if it was like something that got cut or something, but it is incredible. I'm going to play a clip of it right here. It's just so good. Now, I used to get confused about my numbers, like which was 103 or 402, but now I find my numbers very easy because this is what I do. If it says one, I go. If it says two, I go. If it says three, then I go. It's as simple as can be. 
So we've talked about the two episodes, and if you type in Sesame Street Star Wars, this is like, I think, the first or second video that pops up. And so when we were initially talking, I assumed this was was in one of the episodes, but I guess it's not, and probably was placed somewhere randomly, just in one of the skits. But this is R2-D2 and C-3PO teaching Big Bird how to count. And it's, oh, it's, it's C-3PO singing. It's C-3PO singing. <laughs> I don't know what else to describe this as. It's yeah. like a flamenco kind of uh, salsa tune. Uh, yeah. And really, uh, really kind of like made my whole week. Uh, really incredible. It's really good. It's, if, if you're, if you're ever having a bad day, please go watch it. It's, <laughs> it's, it. it's so good. Yeah. He's like C-3PO is singing and Anthony Daniels, man, what a voice too. What a voice. <laughs> what a voice. He's, and it, as a as a wrote like as c-3po too it's not just a dude saying it's like he is c-3po singing but just talent just talent really really great stuff and again like we said earlier about celebration and paying a hundred dollars i would slide that hundred dollar bill across the table and be like if you sang this with big bird on the stage right now this is for you, right? Like, I want him to perform this live in a little review session late night at Celebration Anaheim 2022, right? Everyone's <laughs> sipping cocktails, we're in a dive bar or something, and he's just singing uh, beep, beep, beep. It'll be really good. Yeah. Really can't wait. Star Wars, I know you're listening. Pay Anthony <laughs> Daniels money. Give him some money yeah. to do this. We would be Read Pop, sure. we know that you're planning. And yeah. if you don't do a Star Because, uh, I mean, what would that be? That would be, the I guess, 42nd anniversary of Star yeah. Wars Sesame Street. I yeah. think that's a good round number for them to really latch on to. And I make agree. this live panel happen. Right. I'm going to start the movement on, uh, yes. on Twitter. Hashtag make C3PO sing. <laughs> <laughs> release release the sesame cut. I don't know. We can figure it out. We'll we'll workshop something. <laughs> yeah. Now I used to get confused about my numbers. Like which was 103 or There four. is one other small moment. Not at the museum, Battle at the Smithsonian. There is a scene where the bad guy, the pharaoh or or whatever is summoning other bad guys and in the same scene together, Darth Vader and Oscar the Grouch in the same scene, mashup city. It's it's so good. And Darth Vader's just breathing all heavy the whole time. Oscar the Grouch is like trying to prove that he's a bad guy. And that's right. another one where it's it's like so such a small thing, but I'm like, hey, there that's that counts. That counts for sure. It counts. And now I really want to know who who is playing Darth Vader in that scene. You know, who who do they get to be Darth Vader? In Night at the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian, right? Who was it? I am definitely going to look that up because I am very again, curious. Again, I'll, I'll pay that guy $30 at Celebration for his autograph. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Come on, Talking Bay 94, Darth Vader yeah, guy. And- I'm telling you, yeah, that'll be a whole episode, man. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm so, sorry, but we're all full up in our axis of evil today. Sorry. Oh, come on. But I'm bad. I'm bad. Hey, uh, I can show you how bad I am. Like, fear me. Ah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not buying it. You don't seem very bad. You just seem sort of vaguely grouchy to me. Well, Brandon, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining. This was so fun. Uh, it was a, a nice little discussion about something goofy, something funny, something wholesome too. Like this is very wholesome. But yeah, I, I just appreciate your time so much. And yeah, where, where can the people find you? What's Talking Bay 94 got going on? 
Yeah, uh, thank you again for having me on. Because yeah, this was such a nice like reprieve to my day and my week to focus on something so so wholesome. And again, something that like I guess I've never really registered in the back of my mind as being so like emotionally formative and, and mature. So uh, really kind of incredible to kind of be able to revisit that. But Talk Me ninety four, you can find everywhere, uh, mostly Twitter, uh, and then of course new episodes are everywhere that you would listen to this show. Are most recent one will be coming out by the time you listen to this uh, with Alexander Freed, which is really, really great. Uh, he was super nice, and I really had a great conversation with him. Uh, and yeah, more, much more to come. So Awesome. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put that all in the show notes where you can find, where you can follow and listen to Talking Bay 94 because, yeah, one of the best podcasts out there not even star wars just podcasts and yeah just been a been a big fan so appreciate your time thanks for coming on and you can find force time on twitter at force time pod on instagram at force time pod and you can leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. and until next time may the force be with you Yeah.